First of all, let me be the latest to wish you a Merry Christmas. It's a beautiful morning, and thank you very much for being uh, with us this morning. Christmas is, as you know, a wonderful time for telling stories. The greatest story of all is the one that we told yesterday, last night, yesterday afternoon, the story that is so familiar to us of the birth of Jesus and the manger and the shepherds and the inn in which there was no room and, and uh, the angels that brought the shepherds to see uh, Jesus. But that story uh, has been told many times in many different ways. It's become sort of an archetype, if you will, of the way we talk about how, we are, how our lives are changed because of that story. One of my favorite versions, I guess you could call it a version, is Silas Mariner. I, I, I don't know about you, I first read this in the, in the ninth grade. Uh, and I've read it several times since, and it, every time I read it, it takes on a new, a new meaning. But if you, if you don't remember the story, let me just briefly tell you that it's about, a, about Silas Mariner, who was uh, 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 a, a, a happy-go-lucky guy. He loved God, he loved the church, he loved his wife and family, but he was falsely accused of some misdeed, and and the church, which was a rigorous sect in England, expelled him, and because of that, his wife divorced him, and the children, nobody paid, he lost everything. He lost his family, he lost his friends, and he lost God because of this false accusation. And so he went off by himself. He, he went to a little village called Ravelo, um, and he, on the outskirts of the village, set up a, a, a weaver's shop. And he uh, made a living, if you will, by weaving because he could do that alone. And, and every now and then he'd have to go into the village to buy yarn and to sell the goods, but mostly he was alone. And this is what uh, Eliot says about that. The first moment after the shock had been to work at his loom, and he went on with unremitting unremittingly never asking himself why. He seemed to weave like the spider from pure impulse without reflection. Every man's work pursued steadily tends in this way to become an end to itself and so to bridge over the loveless chasms of life. I think there was a time in my life when that made sense. Don't know about anyone else. So in this world that he constructed for himself, what made the most sense to him was the fact that he was able to accumulate some wealth in the form of gold. And he hid the gold in a, in a little box under a floorboard. And so um, the meaning that he got out of life was that every now and then he could Take, he could look under the floorboards and count the gold that he had. One night, and the circumstances are interesting but not important for us, one night somebody stole the gold. He, he, he was a, Silas Marner had, a, had cataleptic fits. He would, he would just suddenly freeze sometimes. And during one of those seizures, somebody came in and took the gold. And when he discovered that it was gone, it was as though his whole life had come to a complete end. Everything he had worked for had come to an end. The one 
good thing that happened to him out of that was that in his despair, he reached out to some of the villagers and began to build little bridges. How, can you help me? How, how, what am I to do? Who took, does anybody know who stole my gold? One night, a woman was out on the moors and she was very sick and she had a young child with her and she stumbled on the moors and fell and the door to Mariner's cottage was open and so the child could see the light and he was having a seizure but the child crawled toward the light and into the warmth of the cottage and inadvertently fell into the hole. Mariner came too and he looked into the hole and all he saw was the curly gold, the, the blonde curly hair. And because he couldn't see very well, he thought it was his gold. Gold, his own gold, brought back to him as a mystery, just as mysteriously as it had been taken away. He felt his heart to begin violently and for a few moments he was unable to stretch out his hand and grasp the restored treasure. The heap of gold seemed to glow and get larger beneath his gaze. And he leaned forward at last, stretched out his hand, but instead of the hard coin with its familiar resisting outline, his fingers encountered warm curls. Well, he took this baby up in his arms and the baby was, a, was very needy and needed Silas to take care of her, to feed her, to comfort her. And he found ways to, he found ways to do that. And, and, and he needed even more help than he had needed before, so he took her into the village and, and to talk to some of the women in the village, how do I do this, how do I do that? And, and he raised this girl, this infant, to, to womanhood. And in the process of doing that, reestablished relationships throughout the village, and in, a, and in a very real and profound way, came back to life because of the young girl whose name was Epi, young girl who crawled into his cottage unannounced on some cold winter night. John has another way of telling the same story. John's Gospel, which I just read, is way more theological than, than a narrative story like this or, or like Luke's version, which we're more familiar with. John says, in the beginning was the Word. That's a, con a conscious reference to the first chapter of Genesis, in the beginning God, in the beginning the Word. In the beginning, the Word, in Greek logos, wisdom. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, wisdom. In the beginning, insight. In the beginning, light. In the beginning, life. Before there was that, there was nothing. And God brought that into being. God's problem was that it was hard to explain. And all of the prophets and all of the sages did their best to try to explain to the people what God was up to, but it wasn't working necessarily. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. 
So God chose another way. God chose to introduce God's self into the world in a way that was totally inconspicuous. You know, the big things in life don't move us very far. Wars in the Middle East, government shutdowns, an erratic stock market, even the Super Bowl don't change us at all. Not much, anyway. It's the little things in life, the subtle things. Somebody once said to me, God is the most profound wisdom and the subtlest beauty beyond all human, human imagining. Not too bad. God chose to come into the world in a backwater town, in a faraway place nobody ever heard of, to a young, unprepared mother. And in that movement, in that instant, changed everything, changed us. Silas Mariner concludes this way. In the old days, there were angels who came and took men by the hand and led them away from the city of destruction. We see no white-winged angels now, but yet men are led away from threatening destruction. A hand is put into theirs which leads them forth gently toward a calm and bright land so that they can look, so that they can look no more backward. And the hand may be that of a little child. Merry Christmas.